0: What's up, everybody at home? This is the Spawn of Me podcast, the Internet's definitive show talking about games, race, politics, all that good stuff. Hanging out with you all tonight, rocking with my man, my mellow, the smooth kind of fellow, the man who makes bourbon look good. It is that man, Cicero Holmes. How you doing, sir?
1: I'm doing very well. The Baron of Bourbon is in the building. A lot of
0: bees there. Shout out to the shout out to the bees. Shout out to the bees and the trees and the, all the bourbons that are in in the yeah. world. Uh, shout out to those folks. Also, rocking with my man, my mellow, the smooth kind of fellow, the man who is rocking all the wonderful stuff in space while making science look good, STEM look good, tutoring look good. It is that man, Sharif Jackson of sharifjackson.com. How are you doing, sir? I
2: will podcast for as long as I can as I slowly fall into the event horizon. Huh? <laughs> pretty soon I'll, I'll be frozen from your perspective but from my perspective i'll be falling in hopefully getting to the fourth dimension and saving us all i have to say
0: i have to say the the background that you have on right now is the most majestic thing i may have ever seen in my life it is beautiful i feel like like you should be putting on like magical crystals and you should be blessing us (laughs) with your presence and your wonderful words
2: wait are you talking about like my face or the background my face all is of it, majest- yeah. I'm, I'm pretty majestic, so thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Space is like whatever, all this though, like this grill, yeah,
0: majestic. I love it, I love it, I love it. Thank you, everybody, for coming and hanging out with us today and tonight. And also, last week uh, on our last show, uh, we had a wonderful, wonderful guest, uh, by the name of Charles Singletary from Shaq News who, who killed it on that episode and was super, super fun. Uh, oh, he was we're gonna be. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> Jesus! My God, just slandering the slandering the previous guests like they just didn't have lives and have like heart and all that. Other know, stuff. I have no heart. It ain't easy no. being green. Oh my God, I'm just freaking green, green on green on green. Green on green on green. Day. Jesus, that bourbon. That bourbon is strong. Oh, anyway, sir, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we have a wonderful guest this week. Somebody who I love personally, somebody who I know has been doing some of the best and hardest work in this industry, making a lot of really fun things happen for all of you and for all of us. We have the founder of the Video Game History Foundation, Frank Safaldi, rocking with us this week. Shout out to you, Frank. What's good, Frank? How's things?
3: Hey, are you actually going to be that nice next week When you when you think back? To, uh... I am.
0: <laughs> I am. I don't know about Cicero. was Cicero's going to be like, who the hell that guy was? That he guy really was, was the, the worst guest he was we ever terrible.
3: had.
4: Jesus,
3: How you guys doing? Terrible. It's really, really, really good to be here. Uh, I've wanted to be on the show for a really long time because you guys are great. So I'm um, uh, very happy this is finally happening.
0: Yeah, super excited to, ha- to finally get you on the show. I remember we first met at a weird Xbox mixer like five or six years ago. Yeah hanging out and i was like i think mike micah was the person who introduced us and we're just like standing in a in a bar in a super crowded bar people are throwing and passing around idea xbox uh 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 skateboards (laughs) (laughs) we're hanging out uh chilling and frank was like hey i work with 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 mike and 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 mike introduced us and it was like oh okay if you're a friend of mike's then i know that you must be a cool cat so i know (laughs) i know that the that the, the vibes were already good um Let's get into, you know, how you got into the industry. I think the folks at home would love to hear a little, about, a little bit about the history of, you know, where you got into the business and, yeah. and how you kind of started in this space. But
3: I'm so old. This takes a long time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I got into the video game business because uh, I was a massive uh, video game pirate, basically. So Han Soloed
1: his way into the industry.
3: (laughs) Um, My my involvement, okay, the the sort of birth of my career um, goes back to the late '90s when I uh, got my first computer and my first access to the internet. And I wasn't like a a gamer or whatever, right? But I grew up with video games, and I was you know a little bit nostalgic for um, you know the NES and stuff that i grew up with and um so when i got the internet and you know suddenly had access to the world's knowledge of everything i was like hey what what about video games and um you know started looking up old nintendo games and stuff and discovered this uh really magical thing which is that i could download cartridge games from the old days and like play them on my computer this is like Nestle days, you guys remember nest Oh yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah. yeah, yeah. Nesticle, yeah, yeah. Nesticle greatest... rhymes with a certain piece
2: of anatomy. If you it, don't it, the show. It, it had the greatest logo. Like the greatest image on your desktop was that Nestle logo. Yeah, like yeah. two hairy testicles.
3: It's yeah, so and the mascot. I don't know if you remember was the fecal lord. It was. A, right. a oh oh it. wow! Yeah. Um, so I got really into that and. Uh, started playing, you know, not just the stuff that I grew up with, but started looking at, like, weird Japanese games and stuff like that, and right. I was kind of just curious, like, where does this stuff come from? How do cartridges get on the internet? And I discovered that there's there were, you know, these sort of nascent communities of people who were uh, finding all of the video games that you couldn't download yet, and cataloging those, and, like, going hunting for them, and, and like getting the ROMs off of the cartridge and putting them on the internet and I was like this is cool like this is this is such a cool thing um, and so I got myself just kind of involved with those groups and it you know I, I think I was like it was like the exact right age I was like 16 or 17 or something that mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. there's a sudden like cause that I can have so I'm like that, that one's mine <laughs> <You know?
4: laughs> so
3: I got into that scene and you know, started helping track down some games and some rare stuff that wasn't online yet. Um, actually, the the I can claim credit for uh, the for the NES at least. Like the final regular US game came from me that wasn't dumped yet. <laughs>
4: <laughs> which, which was, uh,
3: for the record, the last one was uh, the Super Spike V Ball Nintendo World Cup multi card with both of them on it. But anyway, oh yeah, okay, yeah. It, was like yeah. A, it was like a pack in or something, and so, yeah, you know, people had to like actually reverse engineer okay. that one to figure it out. But so I got into that scene and started a website where I was, frankly, distributing content illegally.
4: <laughs> um, <laughs>
3: That's well, how you yeah. get into this industry, right? I mean, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and then I don't know, like as the years went by and like this cause of internally sort of matured for me, um, I started thinking about well, what can I have the biggest impact on? Right, like I could be chasing just random garbage forever, but what can I have the biggest impact on? And I'd been doing, I've been doing some weird stuff, you guys. Like I'd been, I found. I found that this Taiwanese game developer that people thought had disappeared was like still in business. And as a <laughs> high school kid, I was like wholesale ordering like pornographic <laughs> Nintendo games from Taiwan, <laughs> uh, so that we could dump the ROMs, and then I would like actually sell the cartridges for a really good profit.
2: Um, oh my uh, god! Yeah, it's pretty good. I feel um, like singing the Star Spangled Banner right now. That is right. an American story
0: if I ever. Right. <laughs> story of capitalism gone right Right.
3: taking the cheap taiwanese product
0: absolutely (laughs) i mean you wait you were the first soldier boy right Right. oh wow
4: (laughs) it's true frank Frank.
0: <laughs> Frank, Frank, Oh my God, it's so I, good! Now, I hang on before him, before I
3: sold them, I put them on the internet for free. Okay, so
4: right.
3: you didn't have to buy them for me; you could just download them. Right. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, my God. And so, anyway, I was like, well, what can I have the biggest impact on? You know, like, what if, if I were to focus on something, what would it be? And what I sort of landed on was um, games that never actually came out. Because they're, especially in, in the old days, right? Like, nice. these games only took, like, maybe two, three months sometimes to, to come together and be, you know, a product. It might, might not be done, but, like, you could see most of it. <laughs>
4: um,
3: and so, there were a lot of games in that era that were, you know pretty much done if not completely done that didn't come out and sometimes it was because they're bad but uh in a lot of cases um especially with the nes uh games didn't come out not necessarily for quality reasons but because if you were a nintendo publisher um you could only put out five games a year and then they cut you right. off yeah
4: right. so mm. if
3: you were someone like capcom you might make like 10 games that year and then just release the best five, or the five that you feel the most confident about, right? Right. Um, and so there's a lot of, you know, unreleased, interesting stuff out there. So I started right. a website in 2003 called Lost Levels um, that's still up. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, it's it hasn't been updated in, like, over a decade, I think, <laughs>
4: but, like, it's still there. <laughs> um
3: and so the the idea behind Lost Levels was, you know, I want to track these things down, but also sort of get their stories, talk to the developers, and oh, yeah. um, kind of suddenly found myself being a video game journalist without really having that ambition to be that. I was just kind of <laughs> doing it. Um, and so uh, some editors sort of took notice of what I was doing, because, you know, this is kind of a new concept. No one was... No one had done a website about unreleased games and as of 2003. Like, that was a really weird, interesting thing. Um, so I started getting attention from editors and started, like, reviewing Game Boy Advance games for, like, Nintendo Official Magazine UK and stuff nice. like that. it just, wow. just suddenly fell in my lap, this, this career. Um, and, I mean... You say nice, but like I was on the licensed game beat, you
0: know. For,
3: for oh TV. no! Right. So, wasn't that great? You know. It was,
4: <laughs> can you can
3: you review like the Game Boy Advance version of Splinter Cell, whatever that right. is? You know.
4: Um,
3: my first one actually was Max Payne. That was my first game review. Um, oh man, Max Payne, wow. Max Payne for the GBA for the I don't GBA. Know they had a GBA version. Yeah. It's actually I, kind of I cool. I didn't even know that. It's kind of cool because it's a, it's like three quarters perspective, two D sprites, but okay. like the huh. but the slow motion thing works. So you oh. know how he does the diving, oh.
2: yeah, bullet time, um, yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah. So the bullet time dives work, and you just kind of like he twists around his sprite, and it actually feels okay. It's it's uh, huh. I'm not going to review this game again. I'm not going to review this. <laughs> right, but, right. But,
1: but, no. What a what a, what a uh, terrible like introduction because you're like oh well this isn't half bad. Yeah. I'd expected it to be worse. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and then everything after that was pretty bad. Yeah. Like
3: Spider-Man <laughs> <laughs> 2 on DBA. And I don't really yes.
2: know. Was, but, um,
3: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like that, they just kind of kept steamrolling from there. I eventually got like a full-time job doing that. Um, and that was with um, Gamasutra.com. I, I, got, yeah. I got hired there in 2005. Um, did that for a while. Uh, still a young kid, so like when um, when this job opportunity came up, I was in San Francisco. I moved there for this job. And when this job opportunity came up in Atlanta uh, at this company called GameTap, I don't know if you guys remember. Oh, that. Yeah. oh yeah, you remember yeah. GameTap?
0: Tap. Yep. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> yep. <laughs> totally so, remember GameTap.
3: So when this job offer came from like some recruiter and. You know, they, they offered like 20000 more than I was making. I was like, yeah, yeah. games journalism's dead. I'm out of yep. here. I'll say, <laughs> <Right. "Yeah." laughs> sure. so, so I worked on that for like a year and a half, something like that. Um, and it's funny, what, going even going into it, I was like, this ship is going to sink, but I'm going to cash but, in. Right, 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 right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I did. Cash out while I'm here, man. I'll tell you what, you guys, I took a year <laughs> off of work after that ship went down because I could. Like, it was it great. Yeah. It was nice. so great. It oh, was perfect. Nice. And I was just doing like freelance writing once in a while for one up or yeah. something. And then yeah. they hired me. Um, nice. Worked there for a while, bounced around different um, media places, went back to Gama even for a little while. Um, and then uh, ultimately got into development um, because uh, Khalif mentioned Mike Mika earlier, but I'd been a friend of right. Mike forever. And, um, you know, we, we kind of collaborated well on just, you know, being stupid together, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we, like you, you know what I mean? Like when you yeah, meet a person sure. and it's like, oh, our brains work yeah, together. Work. You mm-hmm. know? Yes, yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, so, you know, he gave me a chance and he brought me on. That was like, I don't know, six years ago, something like that, maybe <sighs> seven. Um, works on a few original titles there. Uh iDarb was one of them. Yeah, really, that one. yeah very fun yes, game you
2: do. I like iDarb. iDarb was so good. Um, yeah. Our logo is in iDarb. Yeah. Oh,
3: that's, that's right. right. That's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. 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 Um I am still the only person as far as I know to uh to direct a video game based on the Sharknado movies. Yes. Um, so. <laughs>
1: did that ever get
3: released? Oh, yeah. I forgot yeah, about that. was on that. the iPhone. I totally forgot about yeah. that. game you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was called Sharknado colon the video game, which is my title. Like I, I, I,
0: yes. I
3: thought that was the right title, yes. right? <laughs> uh, yes, 100%. Two words video game. I just yeah. need
2: a VR version. I need a VR version of Sharknado. No, you don't. It was just a crappy
3: <laughs> Infinite Runner thing. Yeah. We literally, we made that in like two and a half months. It was me and some guys in the Philippines, and we just like slapped yeah, nice. it together as best we could. How many, how many, um, how many pixels
0: was Ian Zierling's uh, hair?
3: Right. No, it's not. It's not actually Ian because we couldn't pay for course, his license. Of course, of course. It's it's uh, it's it's, close it's, it's like it's like if Ian was a PS one character. You know, I mean, he right. like, kind of is yeah, a PS one character
0: in real. life. <laughs>
2: right. I actually I love when they replace people. I saw someone and I forgot her name, but she was streaming. I didn't know this game existed. It was there was a Bad Boys game. Oh yeah, for, for PS one.
4: Yeah. The, oh, really? the
2: models and the voices they have for Will Smith and Martin Lawrence are hilarious. Oh, <laughs> I are need to so play this. Like I need to play Let's this. just get yeah. two random black dudes yeah. and have them try to be weird. <laughs> it was it was like, "Hey man, why are you doing that? I'm just chilling." It was so <laughs> bad.
4: So bad.
3: Um, but good. Man, in, in in the PS2 era in Europe, there were some really really budget Publishers that were amazing that would do like licensed games that never came out here. Um, I forget the name of this one. I think it was called Blast. It was an Italian publisher, but they did like a Dr. Dolittle game. <laughs> and uh, my favorite that you reminded me with, with Bad, with bad Boys, was they, they did Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, what? Uh, oh. A, as a first person shooter on the PS2. What? What? Yeah. And it's
4: really weird. And oh really bad. my God, I want to play And it's this. another
3: one where it's like, yeah. he doesn't look anything like Eddie Murphy, but also. He looks like a completely different person depending on, like, <laughs> like if it's a cutscene or, like, a loading screen or if it's in-game. Like, I think they just found pictures of people. Like, I, I swear to God he's white in the loading screen.
4: Like,
3: <laughs> you guys should check this out. I need this in my um, life. Oh, His name man. is Foley Axel. But yeah, you, you need to check out this game. Like, I think I think European budget PS2 games are the next frontier of streaming. Oh, my God. You guys need to look for yes. this stuff. Um, anyway... I go like well, I could fill the hour with that, so I'm not going to. Um, did did some other stuff after that. What I'm most known for from a as far as development though is that I sort of um, helped to head up a relaunch of uh, our our label Digital Eclipse. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. And so Digital Eclipse had this long history of doing, among other things, like emulated game packages, like old games in a, in a package, and. Um, we had been pitching Capcom for a couple of years at that point about uh, doing the old Mega Man games because yeah. we mm-hmm. we wanted to really badly. Um, and when that f- deal finally came together after like two years of back and forth, um, I just kind of felt like I don't want to just use, well, we, we all felt this, you know, we don't want to just put other ocean on this, like this should be a new label. Um, so we, we actually bought back Digital Eclipse, which was the old company that the owner of uh, of other Ocean uh, founded way back in '92, and it's sold off. It's actually really funny. I, I, th- I think the assets for Digital Eclipse when we bought them were like the you know the trademark and all that, the logo. Right. Um, I think Death Junior, the game. Oh yeah! Um, oh really? And and a, and a conference table. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we got that conference table. Um, oh God. It's a good conference table if you guys are... <laughs> it's, it's a big glass pane with, like, two um, cocktail cabinets on either end. Um, anyway, uh, so we did Mega Man Legacy Collection as Digital Eclipse, which I sort of relaunched as, like, you know, as even a little like snooty about it i was like this is we, we have to do the criterion collection for video games. Yeah. So That that's right, kind of right. what we were going for um so legacy collection it was like okay it's not just the games it's like concept art that yeah, we dug sure. up from capcom's archives and and like that's what i love about it oh thank you thank you so much because yeah. for me in these projects like that's the project and the games are the bonus mm, feature like that's actually right. how i think about them um but, uh, yeah, we did Legacy Collection, which, you know, added all the concept art and stuff like that. Uh, we did a follow-up that uh, I don't hear about as much as I wish I did, which was called Disney Afternoon Collection. Yeah.
4: yeah. Yes. Uh, Ye- oh, you
3: guys yes. know this one. Oh, thank oh, yeah. you. <laughs> I really like that one. Like, that to me, like, because because it's so, like, simple and refined and like we didn't like like Mega Man you go through and it's like here's 800 pieces of art that you scroll through forever and it's like okay (laughs) (laughs) but Disney I felt like we really refined it down to something actually consumable um right Mm -hmm. and we did the boss rushes which I really like you know like yeah like no one gives a crap about tailspin on the NES but that boss rush is so fun (laughs) (laughs) um and then we did uh I wasn't I kind of stepped back after that um and just kind of involved myself a little bit uh, in Street Fighter 30th Anniversary Collection. Yep. Nice. Um, so all I really did on that one was the the actual museum section in there. So like there's this interactive timeline yeah, that, that you go through. And thank you. But the proudest, my proudest thing on that was uh, there's a section on the making of Street Fighter Two. Um, nice. And I don't know if you happened to go through that, but it's really cool because it's it shows like we were able to get the the pitch documents scanned in. For, or actually, the sorry, the design documents from when they were actually working on a different Street Fighter II that they completely scrapped and then started over. Whoa! Yeah. So there's stuff in there with like the uh, old uh, lineup
2: and stuff like that. Yeah, I went through all of it when I first get these games. That's the first thing I do is Thank I go you. through all that stuff. Yeah. Like literally before I even play them, I because they're usually games I've played before. Right, so I, I go exactly. through and go through all right. that stuff for sure.
3: Thank you so much for telling me that because it's, it's just, like, it's one of those things where it's like you either get it or you're like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, yeah. Right, right, right. right. Um, and then the, the last one I worked on, I actually went back to being in charge of this one. It was my only, se- it was the second one after Legacy Collection that I was, like, the director of uh, was SNK 40th Anniversary yeah. Collection. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That one's probably my proudest work. Uh, right. Because the the concept there was, um, and I'm it, I, I'm actually like giving a GDC talk in, like three weeks about this, so I'm like, so you're helping me practice, I guess. But hey, no problem. Uh, <laughs> the concept there was that um, no one knows these games, yeah. you know, like these SNK right. games from the '80s. Yeah. Like, you know, people know Street Fighter, they know Mega Man, um, right. but and you know, they might sort of remember Akari Warriors, right. but. Right. No, but very Such few people. Game yeah, me. same. It's iconic, right? But how many people are like yeah, Oh know. yeah,
0: Kari Warriors, yeah, yeah. you know? Oh, like, yeah. like us. <laughs> I can't
3: wait to play Athena. You know, like there's there's not yeah. that's not really an audience. So for me this is a dream project, and I don't know if we'll ever get to do another one like this where it's like, Cool, I get to like try to make you care. Mm, you know what I mean? Right. I get I get to play historian and, and and, and tell you why these are interesting and, and, and try to sell you on that idea. So what I really like that we did was we couldn't do every game literally that they'd ever done because they did like 60 in the yeah. 80s. Um, but we did sort of a curated set of them. And then our bonus features actually listed and went through literally every game SNK had ever done. Wow in chronological order and we like went through them and I, there's a whole like hardcover coffee table book of stuff in there that's just like i don't know to me again like that's the product <laughs> you know yeah, right but it's 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 i don't know like it's for me like it, it it's just it it feels like a new kind of product yeah. you know that that i don't yeah. think people quite comprehend yet or know how to market yeah. you know i'm I I I'm not talking crap against our partners when I say that, but it's like there's no way that people don't know what this kind of product is yet. Like, yeah, it's it's you know what's funny is
1: it sometimes it really comes down to branding. Like these are like the Criterion Edition, right? of of these classic classic both arcade games and and you know home console games from. Uh, you know from the average gamers youth. Yeah, uh, if you know based on the on the statistics and You know these this is the our ability to you know there was a there was a time in like the early aughts where uh the 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 like boomers that were part of the hippie generation were growing up and they started having disposable income Yeah, and and they started releasing like box sets on CD of like all of these old older artists, you know, classic rock and all that, you know, Floyd and, and, you know, the wall remastered and all this other stuff. And you would see like your dad or or your neighbor or whomever, your uncle would be jamming on this stuff on this high fidelity, like these high fidelity sets that they were able to spend good money on to listen to stuff that used to sound like crap back in the day. Yep that's what this is yeah and there needs to be some type of like th- there's got to be a, a you know a a buzzword that yeah that links that you know that like you know rings the dinger dinner bell for for gamers
3: yeah i, I agree i don't know what that is either it's like a new i don't know it's not even a new genre of game or anything right. you know what i mean know. it's, it's right. some other thing and I think we struggled to sort of define that or, or convince people of it. Cause I mean, every time, every one of these projects, it's like in the budget and everything, all those features is an afterthought. It's just me. Like, well, it's not all me, but you know, like a lot of it is, you know, just me busting my butt for like three months, nights and weekends, just like getting all this stuff in. Cause it's not something that is budgeted for, you know, it's like, you know, like someone like Capcom, they're like, yeah, you know, put in some galleries or whatever. But the reality is, you know, that's like three months of work. Yeah. To, there's, there's so much art in that Street Fighter thing. It's ridiculous. Yeah.
0: I, um, I guess the question I have for you, Frank, when it comes to that stuff is, do you, you know, I've had a, I had a conversation with somebody the other day that was about, you know, being a, being of a certain age where you have a different level of appreciation for where we've come from to where we are now, right? right? And being able to go back to those games and, and dig through the archives of that stuff and and understand the difference between, you know, what scan lines brought to a game versus what, you know, what versus graphics that we have now and, and kind of have that love for, it, but also understand the like reasoning why those things were in those games. Do you feel like, in those conversations that you're having with folks that may not necessarily get it, do they just don't have that perspective or is it something else that's like, you know, like we don't have that buzzword to kind of canonize that thing, but is it because they just don't maybe have the perspective that we do at this point? I,
3: I I think that inherently people are able to understand the kind of thing we do. I think that, I think the, um, the, crowd of people who really really appreciates video games is enormous and that there is a lot of market potential here i actually think the issue is that um video game rights holders have cheapened their product uh by not doing this sort of thing sooner and by just like crapping roms out on virtual console or whatever Mm. without thinking about it or like you know um yeah, you guys probably saw that rumor going around today about like fifty Konami arcade games in one disc, or whatever yeah. it's like Konami Arcade Collection. So like that to me is like when you go to Big Lots and you can get like a hundred <laughs> cowboy movies on DVD yes. for like ten dollars. Right. You know, yeah. like yeah. like mm-hmm. that that's mm-hmm. that kind of product, and it's just it's just kind of giving up on really caring for these things, and like not just caring for them, but like making an audience care about mm. it. you know what i mean like i don't i don't think an audience i i don't think if we just put a bunch of snk roms on a on a on the thing and and just called it a day that like people would uh you know come to appreciate uh something like i don't know like like munchmobile this weird game about a car with arms <laughs> like eating garbage off the road <laughs> you know but but i think because of the features we put in there we sort of and and because we contextualize that game in in the bonus features by like showing you the evolution of SNK and and their artistry right. and and how they evolved as creators you know like munchmobile kind of makes sense by the time you get to it and i think you you appreciate it for that reason and and i just you know if if it's like the Sega Genesis classics whatever and there's like 80 genesis games on there i don't i don't think you take that time to breathe and 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 respect it i right. think you just have you know an emulator and some roms and and so i think yeah i think i think it's just it's hard to it's it's a hard sell right now commercially to convince people to pay more money uh for these games than they have traditionally because um you know to your point like we, we don't have that language yet for like the dark side of the moon collector's edition with you know the remastered tracks or whatever yeah yeah.
2: Right. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, so oh, go ahead. Go ahead brief. Uh no, I I, I was just going to say do, do you think that that is something specific to the gaming industry in terms of not having that strong sense of like like I want to preserve the history of these games. You know, uh, do, you, do you think it's something that's kind of like specific to the industry that makes that hard?
3: I I do think it's specific to the industry that most old content is not in print anymore, mm. uh, but I, I don't think that's because of apathy, or that you know they, they don't care about the past or whatever. I think it's because, um, I think it's because the industry didn't embrace emulation soon enough. Mm. So like when when emulation really took off in the '90s, you know we we suddenly had this amazing tool to uh, make these old games work again, and. Right. Really, it's only Nintendo, if you look back, that, like, jumped on it. You know, ironically, Nintendo, who to this day on their legal page uh, has has language that says something like emulators are the biggest threat to the video game industry that's (laughs)
4: ever been.
3: Except for our own. (laughs) Right. We sell back to you. So they embraced it right away. That's when you start seeing, like, the NES games and Animal Crossing and stuff like that. Right, uh, um, right. But I feel like back then, it might have been easier to actually, like, clear up the rights to a lot of these games and, and get that going, and and I think by now, it would have been fairly cheap uh, to, to just push games to, you know, Amazon or whatever, to have you download them, mm-hmm. um, but I think that the industry took so long to embrace that that it's still weirdly expensive to publish mm-hmm. a game, even if it's, you know, easy to emulate it, that it, it feels to me like it's almost too late to clear the legal rights to most of this stuff
0: oh, interesting. interesting
3: um so if you're like a konami back in the day you know you might you, you, to save some money you might have like given the composer of the game a cut or something of sales right and it's like right. you know 30 years later or whatever you know what's the what's the cost of like finding that contract and clearing it up legally and finding all the people you're supposed to pay, you know, what, what does that cost versus how many copies you're going to sell? I don't think the numbers work out usually. Um, right. but that, that, that's just my theory. Uh, I think that, I think any game that's easy to clear up legally, you probably can just buy right now, or it was on the virtual console or whatever. Mm. And anything else from those publishers is probably, you know, hard to get at at this point. And, uh, I don't know, it's really unfortunate. Like there's there's there is a bright, beautiful future right where where you could uh you know, have this sort of commercial emulator package that that publishers could just literally push ROMs to the same way that they push like videos to. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. Like like yeah. like if you're if you're a if you own a movie and you want to distribute it on Amazon, you know, you literally just uh upload the movie somewhere and then it just pops up there after they process it in whatever way um (laughs) we could have that for games but we don't because it's such an upfront cost uh involved that uh yeah i don't know I, i i actually talked about this at gdc in like 2016 or something um and uh you know kind of made the point that this is possible here's how we get there the, the only headlines it made was because I had a slide that said Nintendo downloaded Super Mario Brothers and sold it back oh. to you.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: so, like, that's really the takeaway yeah. that everyone had from right. that talk. That's
2: right. <laughs> yeah, and, like, Sega with the latest Sonic game. Uh, what happened? If, if I if I, I don't know if this was a rumor or it was true, but they said that the um they basically had people that were good at making ROMs help them make that game because they couldn't get oh the, sonic mania yeah 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 yeah, yeah. they couldn't get the uh the source code right yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, is, is there some uh is, is is that true
3: yeah well it's it's not like an emulation piracy thing i mean that's kind of where it came from but god sonic mania is one of my favorite game development yeah, stories it's a great game. like ever no no the game's great too but the the development behind it is one of my favorite development stories because it's it's literally these guys, and I remember these guys because I was, like, on the same forums as them and hmm, stuff. Nice. These were guys who were, like, Sonic ROM hackers who were reverse engineering the old games and figuring yeah. out how they worked and, like, rewriting Yuji Naka's, you know, engine yeah. routines and stuff like that That's so amazing. that they can further understand that and that they made a real Sonic game. I mean, it's it's, like, the same thing as... It's, it's very similar to Undertale, right? Like, Toby right. comes from the Earthbound hacking community. You know, him right. hacking Earthbound and figuring out how it works, that's where Undertale comes from. Um, and, man, I, I could go down this rabbit hole right now of, like, <laughs> of, of ROM piracy availability and how Nintendo single-handedly destroyed public archives of uh, ROMs <laughs> and... and and probably robbed the future of the next Toby Fox, but uh, well, <laughs> that, that so, might have to so be it, its
1: own episode. Is it, is it, is it, fair, is it fair to say, uh, Frank, that that Nintendo is the Disney of the video game industry?
3: Oh, for sure. In, in the good and bad mm. ways, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, yeah. well... At some point, we should transition to talk about the nonprofit. actually yes.
4: my job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, sure. but, um,
3: but part, but no. The, the reason I say that is because at the foundation, you know, part of what we do is um, right. is is try to acquire and archive what we call very ephemeral pieces of video game history. And um, something we struggle with pretty often is like, you know, do we do we do we have this wide uh range where we just try to grab everything humanly Mm. possible or do we try to like predict you know what i mean like what people are going to care about 20 years from now and and so you know i kind of go back and forth between like i should be talking to people who wrote apple II games and i should be doing nothing but nintendo
4: yeah (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) no, right right.
3: um but we're we're actually taking nintendo a little seriously this year and and building a, a A Nintendo archive. We're kind of actually working with some former NOA guys who uh, might have pack-ratted some stuff. (laughs) Uh, So I don't know if you guys happen to see the SimCity NES thing. We we
0: wrote an article. uh, No, I didn't see that. No, I didn't see that one. Not give give the folks at home a little bit of info on that.
3: Well, on Christmas Day, we published this article where we um, talked about recovering a lost version of SimCity. You guys know SimCity. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah.
3: Um, so you know, Nintendo made a Super mm-hmm. Nintendo
2: yes. version of that yes, computer yes. game. Yes, yes, I had that. Yeah, I, I owned that. I, game. I had it too. Bowser, Bowser would come through and uh, right mess your stuff up. Oh man! So you guys need to go
3: to gamehistory.org. It's the the top article right now. Um, so before they had done a Super Nintendo version, they started it on the regular NES. Um, yeah, they man. did, and so a lot of the the ideas that Nintendo sort of introduced for SimCity had their roots in this NES version that they scrapped and sort of like moved to the Super Nintendo. Um but so, you know, first of all, we recovered a lost internal Nintendo work, which is not a thing that happens <laughs> ever. Yeah, right. Um right. which I'm very proud of. But what makes SimCity like fascinating to me, uh the Nintendo version of SimCity specifically, um you know it's it's what, nineteen ninety, right? Um right. Nintendo's sort of thinking about what kind of games do we want to make for our upcoming console, the Super Famicom. Um, and as the story goes, Miyamoto had this sort of vague concept of a game where you build and manage a city. And someone's like, oh, you mean like SimCity? <laughs> what? And it's like, SimCity. And so Nintendo went to Maxis and like licensed SimCity um, from them and... And the licensing from Nintendo was actually so much that that's how they grew and wow. did things like Sim oh. and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 Like all that stuff, you know, probably wouldn't have happened without this Nintendo oh, deal. Interesting.
1: Shout out, shout out to Will Wright.
3: Yeah. Taking, taking that <laughs> check. So, um, <laughs> but what's really cool, they sign the game and they fly Will Wright to, Ki- to Kyoto and, and for a week, Will Wright and Shigeru Miyamoto collaborate. What? Oh, my gosh. Right? That's really? Like, you immediately understand oh, how wow. rare this is, oh, right? Oh my like, gosh. It's not just East and West, yeah. right? It's not right. just computer and console. No,
1: this it's is like... like
3: these, this is th- it's a meeting Lennon the and Michael Jackson. Right. It's a meeting in, in the mines. studio together. It absolutely is, yeah. And, like, not just that, they're both, like... Miyamoto just shipped Mario three. Right, right. Yeah. Will Wright just right. shipped SimCity. Yeah. Sim yeah, they're in their
2: primes. Right.
3: They're in their yeah. primes, and they're sitting down yeah. and collaborating. And that's where you start yeah. getting the weird ideas that go into SimCity on, on the Nintendo, like the Doctor Wright character, and right. like the notion of like you getting presents. You know, like like you get a special <laughs> buildings that you plop down. Yep. That's such totally a Miyamoto a thing, thing, right? Yeah, like, right. here's a gift for you. Um, <laughs> And what's fascinating about the NES version is that there's stuff in the NES versions that that in the NES version that didn't quite make the cut to super or like changed so mm-hmm. not only does the Super Nintendo version show us you know what ultimately happened with this collaboration the NES version right. shows us like a rough draft of it yeah. right. and it's right. really fascinating stuff and huh. um Anyway, I run a nonprofit <laughs> called <the> Video Game History <laughs>
4: Foundation.
3: <laughs> tell us, tell us about uh, that. Among Frank. other things, we expose stuff <laughs> right. like that. Sure. Right. Um, so the idea, you know, okay. So I kind of glossed over a lot of stuff when I went when I went through my career earlier um, because I kind of made it sound like I was a pirate and then I stopped and I was a <laughs> journalist. But it's like no. <laughs> As I have a career in the video game industry. I mean, that's that's how it works, Frank. No, I'm still it's doing just, it, man. I've never yes, stopped. Um, right. And when I, when I say pirate, I mean like, you know, I, right. I sort of started recognizing, no, I'm archiving. Right. I'm preserving. Yes. I'm not just, right. you know.
1: It belongs py- in a museum. Yes. You are Indiana Jones. It, you are. Yeah. You
3: you are Harrison Ford, man. It belongs You're in a museum, but there uh, there's yeah. not really like a good uh, digital museum for this stuff, so the museum is yeah. the world.
4: <laughs> you know?
3: um, I've always believed in that, you know, like that, that yeah. the only safe form of preservation is everyone mm. has it. Um, so that's mm. just kind of been my philosophy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I've been evolving. You know, I, in the old days, it's like find an unreleased game, find out the story, get the game online, get the story online. That, that was the form of preservation. But you know, that's sort of matured over the years, especially as I've been in the industry and. You know, it's evolved into things like
0: where does mm. source code go?
3: You know, where does the actual source material go that people use to make these games? You know, the, the actual building blocks of these games. Like, so much of that source material is lost. Like, who's archiving that? Who's, um... Who's building up a, a collection of, like, documentation? Like, business documentation? You know, like, design paperwork? You know, things like that. And, um... So that, that, that's something that, that I've cared about for a long time. Thankfully, there have been a couple of organizations that have sprung up over the years that are doing stuff like that. Um, but, you know, I, I always kind of felt that, you know, there's a strong Museum of Play is the really big one. They're in Rochester, New York. Um, right. They're amazing. Uh, they have an incredible collection. They have a librarian. You can go there and just be like, hey, hook up a Nintendo 64 you know, with with whatever, with Mario 64 on a CRT, and they'll, like, set oh, it up in a lab so for dope. you and you play it. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, those they're very traditional, like, museum people who are on an island, not literally an island, <laughs> but they're in Rochester. Right. It's an island surrounded by snow. <laughs> you <know>? Right, right. Um, <laughs> uh, and I kind of felt like, you know, I've been... I've been in the, like, rom-dumping community. Uh, I, I was in the collector community for a long time, like a collected games back yeah. you could actually do that. Um, I I was a journalist and a historian for a long time. I'm in development. Like, I, 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 I just kind of felt like I had this niche in the world where it's like I have my tentacles kind of all in all the places, at least a little bit. Um, so what can I accomplish that that something like the Strong or the National Video Game Museum or whatever can't do? So uh, I started the Video Game History Foundation three years ago. Uh, We're, you know, a real nonprofit. We're a 501c3. We're a charity. Um, And what we tend to focus on is uh, we we sort of have this, like, long-term vision of what does a digital library look Mm -hmm. like for video games because video games, you know, are a digital medium. So how do we curate that how what what is what is a video game librarian what is that right uh so that's sort of the long-term vision but the short term is uh using the connections we have and the goodwill and all these communities and stuff like that like let's find the things that are actually in danger of disappearing from this world if people Mm -hmm. don't grab them that would be of interest to to historians Uh, let's just at least grab that now um figure out the the archiving and stuff like that and um so a lot of that has been you know we mentioned source code earlier we've been collecting source code from people kind of on the sly a little bit sometimes um because it's just we don't know what the legal hurdles are yet for this stuff you know mm-hmm. it's like brand new territory um and uh design documents stuff like that like i've i've got stuff like right to my right here in a drawer that's like a local friend of mine who uh Was uh, one of the lead designers on the Fable series, so I like have his notebooks with like Fable maps sketched and stuff like that. Like, but you know, he doesn't necessarily understand unless he talks to someone like me. That like, no, people want to look at this. You know, people want to study this and understand where these games came from. Um, So we're going out and doing that. And then the big thing we're actually doing this year, which I haven't formally announced, but I don't, you know, it's not a big secret or anything, is that. we're opening a library uh in the san francisco bay area so nice um thank you i think so too um you know it's it's a small space but i've been collecting uh video game magazines primarily in books and stuff like that uh going back to like my rom dumping days um because again i was trying to figure out what are the Games that didn't ship for these systems, and right. you know, so I actually had to research that. So I was yeah, building up right. a magazine collection. Um, so we're hoping to open that in the summer. It'll be a small thing, you know, point, appointment only as we get started because we're not that well funded. I don't. I have. I haven't paid myself yet. I should probably figure <laughs> that out. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. But that, that's sort of the big thing for this year. And yeah, I mean. I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling and you guys might have some well, questions. <laughs> well, I do have, have a quick up. question because
0: I've, I've always been super curious yeah. about the physical restoration of the stuff that you're pulling in. Like, we, we grew up in the era okay. of blowing into a cartridge to try to see if it would work. And I'm like, are, are you and the rest of the crew kind of going in there and like doing the archaeological dig stuff of like, you know, going into those with fine tooth combs and fixing things so that they actually work? Oh, yeah. That happens sometimes. It's It's a
3: little bit rare um yeah, yeah i have a good story about that uh yeah. yeah sure so um game informer magazine you know they've been around forever people mm-hmm. yeah. kind of don't know that they started in 91 um really? wow. yeah they go that far back they were they were wow. they were sort of
1: almost 30 years wow
3: yeah and andy mcnamara who's the editor-in-chief yeah. has yeah. been there yeah. since day one.
2: Oh my god yeah um they're, I remember they're him talking about that on their show yeah yeah i mean
3: to me that's remarkable and like they're in minneapolis where you can actually have real estate so (laughs) so like they haven't really thrown that much away so i've been kind of working with them to figure out like okay you know what do you have that's kind of important and and what what can we archive and save and stuff like that and um uh this I, the the, the build-up here is, is not going to pay off because it sounds like I'm going to talk about something very important, but it's like the opposite of important. Um, but, like, so they have, um, if I say a map drawer, do you know what I mean? A little bit, yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Like a long, yeah. deep drawer, right? Yeah. Um, yes. So they have a cabinet of map drawers that, like, since the old days and to this day now... Uh, is just where you put your, like, review code when you're done. Like, if you have it on a physical mm-hmm. thing. So, like, if they're reviewing a PS4 disc that was mailed to them by PR or whatever, when they're done, they put it in this drawer. And then once in a while, someone comes and grabs it and, like, puts it in a closet. Um, I was kind of going in there, and and they, and again, they again, they've been using these same drawers forever. So I, like, pulled out all the drawers to see if anything fell behind there, and some things did. And, and one of them was uh an Eprom and it was it was one of six necessary Eproms uh to play Boogerman on the <laughs> Sega Genesis.
4: Really?
3: It had just been like behind this drawer no. for like over oh thirty God. years or something like that, right? Oh, wow. And it was like all the pins were bent back and stuff and it was all damaged because they'd just been closing a drawer <laughs> on it. <laughs> all this time. So yeah, Khalif, yeah, I had to like there, i actually took pictures of this because it was so funny like you know i had like you can imagine the weighted down thing yeah. with the arm and the, and yeah, the magnifying yeah, yeah. glass you know? <laughs> like i had that and like tweezers and i was like fixing the <laughs> precious booger man <laughs> <from>. <laughs> 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 to like recover the data uh,
4: pay, man.
3: but yeah stuff like that happens um uh, another thing that happens that's really terrifying is that um cdrs or like other optical burnable things like dvdrs right. uh right. those are not meant to last yeah, at all Last yeah. forever yeah um and yeah. we've had you know game builds on cdr that like literally the right. data is just like flaking off it like rots mm. and comes off um uh, so i had a an unreleased saturn game that was like that that so far is the only copy of this game anyone's God. ever found um oh man Again, this one's again not that exciting. It was I don't know if you guys remember Prize Fight yes. on the Sega CD. Yeah, yeah. It, it's Prize Fight on the Saturn. Oh, okay. So it's just
1: oh that oh oh okay. It's just
3: that right. that thing <laughs> right. again. Right, slightly right. better video, you know. But
1: right. it doesn't matter,
3: right? Like it's the only copy yeah. in the world of Saturn Prize Fighter, and like there's right. actual gaps in data, like physical oh, gaps wow. that are just yeah. gone. They just fell off. So wow. yeah. All we could really do was like we ran this custom. Uh, build of Linux that's just for this purpose, where all it does is just spin the CD and try to read sector by sector, like over and right. over again until right. until the disk like right. gives up as much as it can, and like we right. can't recover data that doesn't exist, but yeah. we're able to rip around it. So yeah, we got to do stuff like that all the time. Wow, that's nuts. I, I think most archaeology that happens in games is more in mm. the digital realm. Um, hmm. you know where it's like we m- will have pieces of. Actually, like code. pieces of code or like some of the source art, but not all of it. Or, um, oh, yeah, or actually, what I really like is when people reverse engineer existing games to figure out how mm. they work. Yeah, um, yeah. and you see a lot of that in like the speed running community. i love that. I oh, love.
0: for sure. There's, a- yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. All those tool assisted runs are amazing to see. How they look at the frames and they yeah. look for, like, hey, if I make this one a zero, like, Mario disappears. Right. Like, I saw right. this one, and I, I think Austin Walker, uh, he uh, talked about it on, like, Waypoint, where somebody made this video on how to beat Mario 64 without jumping. Yes. And the guy, like, exploited the code so it would, like, spawn up, a, a, I think it was, like, a platform and a goomba. It was weird. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff whole- like that. Yeah, yeah it was like incredible. You,
3: you have to yeah. wait like a week for like this platform <laughs> right, to rise. Right, right, right. Like literally. Yeah, <laughs> I love amazing, stuff right. like that. But you don't get stuff like that happening unless you're actually getting in there and figuring out how this game works. And I love that because, like, you know, yeah. In theory, if we had the actual source code from Mario 64, we could learn a lot from that. But like the the ingenuity of people to to yeah. take this binary data you know what i mean like just literally ones and zeros and like you know through like the evolution of emulators and through like debugging tools and stuff like that and and through just playing the game a lot just we know so much about how that game works now that it's it's amazing um yeah but yeah like i would say that's where most of the archaeology happens like there's there's some physical stuff there's some you know I've, I've, there. there's a lot of like retrieving objects out of places. Like mm. when Telltale shut down,
0: uh, yeah. I was there with a van. Yeah. I wonder <laughs> how that works. Awesome. Like I remember when Midway um, shut down and they were like, yo, yeah. there's going to be a big sale or people are just going to kind of bum rush the building and like see what they can snag. Yeah. Yeah.
3: In 2004, I went to the acclaimed bankruptcy auction.
0: Yes, yeah, I remember <laughs> hearing about yeah. that. I was like, "Oh, oh I have no money." Long Island, let Island it go! Yeah, it was.
3: Yeah. I mean, it was really weird. It was like run by the mob, and it was really strange. Right? Um, right. Yeah. There is no mafia. Yeah. Oh, sorry,
4: sorry. It was. It was. It was.
3: Sorry. It was. It was run by the the the, the great the great city of Long Island or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Yeah,
4: right. <laughs> um,
3: <laughs> Yeah, I was uh, there, man. Was, and uh, right. I tell you what, I walked through that QA department and took any discs <laughs> that were still on desks. So, yeah, hey. yeah, that's how right. it's done, man. That's how it's done. Right. That's how you save history. <laughs> you steal it. Ab- yeah, absolutely, well, okay. absolutely. I need that copy. Yeah. So,
1: so uh, two of my favorite memories of recent history, and and one of my actually all time favorite games, console games is uh the midway arcade classics. Mm-hmm. Um, by digital eclipse. Because, by digital eclipse, mm-hmm. exactly. Because um it, you know, before I even knew I nerded out about these things, you guys let me know. <laughs> uh, because, because like the there was basically the behind the scenes. Yeah. Um in on those on those discs where uh, I got to, you know, see the, uh, the side panel art for, uh, APB mm-hmm. and, you know, and Rampage had, Rampage had the, uh, the actual three player mode where you could actually, you know, you could pull, uh, put one of those controllers in that would allow you to do all that stuff. Um, but like it was just, it was really, really amazing. And the other one was rare replay. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, where they did a lot of that same stuff where, you know, they preserved the history and talked about the history of the of uh, Rare and and all of the games. But, Frank, I want to know from you, your most memorable experiences, were they from the arcade or were they from consoles slash
3: PC? Are you just talking about my most memorable game playing experiences? Gameplay experiences. Yes. Um. I mean, it, I I think it's gonna be mostly. I mean, it's, it's it's this is counterintuitive maybe, but I think it's mostly going back and discovering mm. things as an adult. Sure, you know that like things. Sure. Uh, I mean, I think. Well, okay. I think, uh, this this is this is very intuitive <laughs> as opposed to counterintuitive. I, th- I I think I think my two my two favorite games are probably my two greatest memories of playing games um the original mm-hmm. secret of monkey island uh sure. and yep. mother, 3. Um, oh, wow. okay. mother three mother three yeah <laughs> better nerf though um wow. and i mean with monkey island that was a sort of of the time thing that was that was me that, that was a revelation for me where it's like you know games can yeah. have stories and characters you know what i mean like like and they mm-hmm. can be funny you know like like all that happened at once for me when I played The Secret of Monkey Island. Like I like cuz I'd only like it's like my aunt had a computer, you know what I mean, that that I got to play with for a minute. And I had only really known Nintendo stuff before then. So like I went and played Monkey Island and it's like games can do this? You know like I, right, I had no right. idea. And then um Mother 3 is just kind of a perfect game and everyone should play that and Stop waiting for Nintendo to
4: do an official <laughs> <one>. <laughs> like, just,
3: Give up. just get just stop. You don't you don't need you don't need a corporation to validate your ability to play this yeah. masterpiece of a video game. Wow. Uh, download the ROM and use an emulator. I don't care man I'm not I'd the love cops it. go on AliExpress love buy it. a bootleg <laughs> cartridge right now for like $8 or something just play this game because they're never going to release it stop asking just go play Mother 3 I
0: love it I love it I love it well you know what sadly on that note that wonderful high note of thievery (laughs) no (laughs) we're we're gonna have to end this part of the show and let you get some love out in the world let the folks know where they can hear more about the video game history foundation uh get in contact with you if you want to share that stuff out and then if you have some time we'll we'll move over to our uh extended patreon show and then we'll we'll talk a little bit more
3: Uh, i do have time yes uh so the Video Game History Foundation um amazing URL that I was shocked was available. Gamehistory.org is where we're at. Um you can find my personal Twitter if you if uh if you want to do that is uh Frank Cifaldi, <laughs> one word Frank C I F A L D I. Um I'm a little bit abrasive though, so you maybe just <laughs> maybe follow Game History org instead. Um and uh, if you have a lot of money, it's GameHistory.org slash donate. Yeah. Uh, there you but if you have a little bit go. of money, uh, Patreon's a really good option, too. And actually, we have a Discord that's a Patreon tier, and we have really good people in there who like to hang out and uh, uh, solve mysteries and rewrite history, so right definitely on. go and support awesome. definitely Woo-hoo! support frank and the
0: rest of the crew <laughs> did you just duck the end of our show what was that yeah, I, was like, I did I, I, I we we collaboratively ducktail <laughs> absolutely I, I, I will i will launch pad all of you into the non-sun <laughs> um, frank thank you so very much for coming and hanging out with uh, us tonight course. man like I, I love you dude yeah. like you are definitely putting all of us in into the history books yes. one one game at a time one one moment at a time and i really appreciate the work that you've been been pushing out in the in the past couple of years it's been really fantastic to see man
3: Thank you. I mean, I, I'm so glad to be here
0: because uh, I love you too, man. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. Everybody at home, uh, definitely check out, again, the Video Game History Foundation. Make sure you're checking out that stuff on, on the web and make sure you go and donate. Uh, if you want to hear more from us over here at Spawn you can check us out on all podcast platforms. And also, if you're in the Portland metro area in Oregon, you can hear us on xray.fm uh, and hear us every Tuesday after the Blazers show, which is super, super fun as well and if you definitely want to check out the extended versions of our show make sure you check us out on patreon.com spawn on me and you'll hear the longer parts of these episodes uh the extra extra good bits uh as well so until then everybody at home we'll see you next week hey.